Awesome stuff stops now. Right. Okay, now I'm gonna shut yeah. my mouth. <laughs> That's right. <laughs> I need my coffee to kick in here, bud. Oh, your coffee. Yeah, I uh, coffee before bed. I right? had, I had my coffee in smoke form. Ah, uh, earlier. Yeah. Uh, I'm just drinking boring water. <laughs> boring water. Uh, don't lie. It's vodka. It's. <laughs> You guys found me out. Yeah. My yeah. auntie's trick. <laughs> <laughs> Stay out of my water. <laughs> Good day. Good day. Good day. And welcome to another episode of Forge Side Chat, a podcast about blacksmithing, bladesmithing, and everything in between with heavy emphasis on Canadian talent. Mm-hmm. Normally Canadian talent. And once again, <laughs> we're heading south, back to the Bay Area. We're talking to Leah Arapoch today. And you know what? This is somebody that I have been a fan of for a long time. I'm sure a lot of you know who, who we're talking about already. There's no no wondering who this is. But if you are, go check her out on the Instagram and get blown away by the amazing artwork this girl does because, wow, the detail is absolutely amazing. Um, she started dabbling with metal in 2008, if you'd believe it. That's not that long ago, really, when she was in art yeah. school in Savannah, Georgia. And we're, we're going to hear more about this story right away, but for now... I want to know, Nick, how has your week been? My week's been really busy, actually. Um, yeah, actually, we had some something really interesting happen. One of Shelly's videos, Shelly's my wife, um, one of her videos talking about some of the rasp knives that we make uh, went viral. Um, really? It, yeah, over the, yeah, over the course of 24 hours, it had a quarter million views. We had 7,000 likes. We had, like, it, it just went crazy. And that, yeah, all of a sudden we were getting uh, phone calls and we were getting um, it messages and text messages and people asking, hey, can we send our old farrier's rasps to you? And unfortunately, our American friends, we can't take them from south of the border because they're used, there's going to be biological material in them, and it's just not worth it to, to clean them. So, um, yeah. But it, it translated into a bunch of orders. I cranked out a custom uh, Damascus Skinner this week, just, or not Damascus, uh, Rasp. Um, we did that in kind of record time, and uh, man, it turned out beautiful. And yeah, we've been really busy. And then we had a seven-person class today, so and that was just a lot of fun and beautiful. Um, it, it it's actually kind of cool. Have you heard of Edison Motors yet? Have you heard of Edison Motors on TikTok? No, no? I, I don't TikTok. <clears throat> you don't TikTok? Oh, dude, you gotta get on the TikToks. You gotta get on the TikToks. Yeah. Take off. Um, <laughs> so Edison Motors is building a an electric big truck. Um, yeah. it's. Yeah, it's it's actually diesel electric, so there's a diesel generator, and it. So I mean, they're yeah, catering the to the logging industry. Yeah, it's a hybrid. Um, 
so they've built this truck. They've got like a million followers. It's it's really cool. Um, and I kind of started following this guy right from from before when it was just an idea to now they actually have a truck that's a prototype, and uh, they're they're getting it tested in Toronto right now. Um, Not so in, in Mississauga. I know exactly where they're getting it tested. I've been at that testing facility before. There you go. Yeah, yeah. So this prototype is getting tested. The the guys that they mentioned in their videos and one of their kind of buddies, he's um, he's actually hauled their truck all over the country for, um, well, the cost of fuel. That's it. Nice. So he was in a knife making class today. And so mm-hmm. him and his dad and it, or the dad owns the company and the, the son was driving. But uh, yeah, so we've gotten a little bit of uh, exposure there today, too, which is really very it's rad, always great getting exposure when you're when you're building your business. So yeah, it's been kind of a whirlwind. We we did a couple grand in knife sales over the last two days, which is pretty decent. So yeah. And then a nice big class today. Yeah. So there we go. Well, it sounds like that's what's happening in my world. Yeah. Busy world as always for our friend in Red Deer, Alberta at Twisted Steel Blacksmithing. Yeah. (laughs) It's yeah. pretty awesome, dude. Pretty awesome. I'm glad you sound happy, man. I'm glad that you're happy, bud. It's awesome. Yeah, I'm, I'm very happy. We uh we started another well, we started that memorial sword. We we do something where we'll um we do canister Damascus and we put people's ashes in it so it oh, yeah. kinda becomes a memorial type thing. And we I swore I'd never make a sword, but we're making a sword and we we squished everything out and all of that um that ca- that uh, canister Damascus is starting to crack and split, like it's it's opening oh, no. up on the edges. Oh. It's all good. It's all good. I've I've got an idea. So I'm going to uh, soak that bar in muriatic acid, get it cleaned up really well, just on one side, cut it in half, and then we're going to sand my it onto a piece of 1084 and make the sword out of that. So that oh. that steel will still be in the sword. And then where all those little cracks are, we're going to start seeing, um, you know, big, big jagged edges along the, that sword. So the Sanmai is going to be really cool. Interesting. Yeah. How big of a yeah. sword? How big of a sword? It's going well. So the story is the young guy who passed away, um, his mom reached out to us and well, obviously he didn't, but uh, um, he needed a heart transplant. Um, he got one, but it, it didn't take, and mm. he passed away a few years ago. And um, But he loved to play Dungeons & Dragons with his buddies. No so his mom commissioned a, a sword for him. He wanted his ashes to be turned into a sword. He wanted to be part of a sword. And um, yeah, so we're making an elven sword. We thought Dungeons & Dragons, that would be... That'd be the right choice, right? For sure. I mean, an elven sword, yeah. So, so yeah. that's what we're making. Yeah. Cool. Very cool. Yeah. Yeah. Awesome, buddy. What Very about you? Awesome. Uh, well, okay. Well, first of all, my apologies. I totally went straight in just asking you how your week was. I didn't even ask Leah how she's doing or say thank you for joining the show or anything like that. <laughs> how rude. How I'm rude. doing great. I'm doing great. <laughs> Thanks for joining us. Sorry for My the pleasure. long-winded intro on how we're doing and our on our weeks, but uh, I love it. 
I love hearing good news. It's awesome. It's only Wednesday. It sounds like it's been an amazing week for Nick already. So, yeah, into it. That's that's pretty awesome. I I love my (laughs) life. What can I say? Yeah. Oh, I've been just kind of overwhelmed with uh, taking care of the kid lately and and, and yard work and stuff like that. My wife has been super sick and it's kind of that season right now where you got to get all the th- like the yard work taken care of get the garden finished up right where we got to pack it away get it tilled and stuff like that and usually yeah. me and my wife were like an awesome team when it comes to that mm-hmm. stuff I, it was, it was kind of funny my uh me and my kid were doing a bunch of the yard work together the other day and i was talking about it's like oh it's man it's too bad mom's not here to help us out and you know it's, we're such a good team she's like i know the what, what did you say again uh teamwork makes the dream work <laughs> uh, she's just the cutest little kid sometimes man. absolutely love that little little child of mine so uh yeah just been being the kid doing a bunch of stuff and running her around how's she feeling and, yeah. is she getting better she is getting better yeah today was finally a tiny little bit of an upswing for her she was when she talked it didn't sound like she was crying when she talked and all so that was, that was nice it was brutal for like yeah. two days. She was whenever she spoke, we spoke on the phone or I'd, like she's just been bedridden, dude. It's been brutal. I've got uh, yeah, apparently it wasn't that. COVID, but apparently there's a really bad viral bug going around. So that's what that was. I, I've barely been able to be in the shop because of this. And when I have been in the shop, I'm like, I don't know. I I I, I feel like I wasted my entire Friday night. I was up in the four four o'clock in the morning i think i was in the shop till and i just i didn't get anything accomplished i think i had the forge going and didn't even put a piece of steel in the forge at all that night because i was busy trying to work on a design for something that i was welding up for um a bracket for a pergola which oddly enough i woke up the next morning and went into the shop and threw everything i had for a design in the garbage just was like off the table started fresh and had a good design within like half an hour and welded everything up within like a couple hours it was like there we go that's a lot better yeah so sometimes it just i don't know you need to take a fresh look at stuff right and come back at it so i'm trying to okay so i made those hot cuts for uh that girl in uh, bc what's her name again shoot 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 melissa melissa Soam. i think oh she's gonna be mad at me for forgetting her name it's her name is melissa anyways trying to electro etch them right and it it was sizzling and then just stopped wouldn't sizzle anymore and i'm like what the heck is going on so i moved away from the battery charger went straight to a car battery was using a car battery trying to electro etch it was sizzling away i'm sizzling cooking this etch in for like a good like I don't know, two minutes at least. I'm like the the paper towel I'm using with the the electro etchant uh, juice on it there and the salt or whatever, right? It's it's turning black. It's cooking for sure. I'm like, okay, this is good. I pull pull off the decal. You can see the electro etch. I'm like, awesome. I go to wipe it off with the towel. Gone. What the fuck? Mm. I don't know what is going on. It worked on the stainless steel tongs that I made worked amazing i made these stainless steel barbecue tongs with like bear claws and i, I electro my a big decal in them and it worked in like not even a minute i was done those dude and it went deep dude like it was like a good like i don't know 330 seconds in there maybe even i don't know about that wow dude. yeah it was it was it was etched deep man i and it was fast and and that was with the battery charger now nothing i don't know i think i used man, gatorade that 330 seconds is 
Yeah, maybe not 332. That should work. Yeah, no. 364ths. Yeah. Sorry. 364ths. Yeah. That's what I'm talking about. There we go. That's better, right? So what's that metric? I don't know. A millimeter? <laughs> a millimeter? I don't know metric. No, dude. less than a millimeter. <laughs> we're, we're in Canada. We're supposed to know these things. I don't know. Take off your hose. Jeez, do you think I'm some sort of genius or something? Jeez. Oh, gosh. Uh, so, hey, uh, Leah, how's your week been evil. doing? How, how have you, you been busy or what's, what's been keeping you going? Uh, Yeah, I've been really busy. I'm kind of bouncing around a lot right now. Um, I just got back from Italy. I was there for a biennial blacksmithing competition. Oh, yeah. Um, and I didn't compete. I just spectated and watched everyone else sweat and it was a lot of fun, but I, I think it took me a minute to kind of get my bearings back. Uh, and since I've been back, I've just been working on my shop, which nice. has been like uh, a pretty big undertaking. I'm experiencing some pretty massive growing pains, and I'm also spending a lot of time on a forge build that I probably shouldn't be, but I'm having too much fun with it. So <laughs> I've been doing that, but I'm waiting on a tool. So I've been working on a model uh, the last two days at my home studio where I do my clay and design work um, for commission. So I'm kind of trying to do a few things at the same time. Really? Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so I, I've listened to a few uh, episodes of the Full Blast uh, podcast with you on there with Jeff Vader, right? And the last one I was listening to, you were dealing with some health issues that were pretty scary. Yeah. Have you kind of gotten over the majority of that? Are you still recovering? Or I'm still recovering, but I'd say that a majority of it is done. Um, I think oh. there. it's very weird because they told me that uh, – I would be able to make a full recovery, but it was going to, I was going to have some setbacks. Like I'd relapse a few times. And so, uh, when I flew to Italy and experienced jet lag, that was actually really hard for me. (laughs) I was kind of like flopping all over the streets of Florence, trying to like get my bearings because there was so much going on. Mm. Um, but since I've been back, I've been, um, feeling really good. So I feel like I'm, I'm almost out of the woods completely. And, feeling pretty normal again very awesome high five yeah thanks for asking (laughs) for sure buddy oh that's that's damn concerning to hear somebody dealing with that man and uh you know like not like we have any sort of connection that you know me or i know you but when i hear somebody dealing with that in general it's just like holy shit that's scary dude yeah i mean i think a lot of uh blacksmiths can relate right because if you have some random like nobody knows what's going on but you keep experiencing vertigo and your body doesn't know where it is in space mm-hmm. it's huh. I, anyone can kind of understand why that's like a huge problem if you're yeah. trying to be in a metal shop um so i would say the only like residual issue that i'm having is like i cannot stand too close to the edge of like a drop um uh. Because even though I feel normal, uh, my body still doesn't know where it is in space. So, like, if I if I get within, like, you know, six feet of the edge of a 
a, a cliff or something, I feel like I'm standing on the ledge of a building. Like it's a very weird sensation, but I, I can't really trust it. I haven't really been using my power hammer. I don't know. You know, I'm, I'm a little bit nervous, but they also say that like ignoring it and kind of like pushing past it is the best thing to do. Cause you kind of spin out uh -huh. on the, on the fear and anxiety of it all, you know? Oh so, yeah. 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 Oh, that's awesome to hear that you're like at the point you are. I mean, I was ho hoping to hear that you've been using your power hammer. I wanted to ask you all about <laughs> that and how it's going. Yeah. Well, it's it's part that condition and also part the fact that I had my friend Jorgen build me a beautiful uh -huh. forced air forge. And um, when he brought it to me, or when he was working on it, he texted me and he was like, you should turn this thing into Baba Yaga's house. Um, and if you guys don't know who Baba Yaga is, yeah. she's this, it's this Slavic lore. She's this witch. She yep. lives in a house that's on chicken feet that walks around in the woods and victimizes people and kids and stuff. Um, yep. All these monsters and creatures come out of it. So Right up um, your alley. I just, I couldn't not do it after he... <laughs> after he put that bug in my brain. So um, yeah. I've been endeavoring down a pretty detailed path of just building the base for the forge. And I kind of don't want to like assemble it until I have the base finished. So I've been prolonging my ability to forge just by the fact that I haven't put my forge back together or like together yet. And I took my other one apart to use the, the burner part. So mm -hmm. um that may have something to do with why I haven't really been using my power hammer so much. But the idea is that I, I, I've actually been, you know, I got the power hammer. I mean, I'm kind of like covering a lot, but I've been acquiring a lot of stuff and I'm, I'm hoping that I'm going to get to the end of this year and just have a completely dialed shop, you know? Um, but it takes time. So. I don't know, Nick, what do you think? Feel like, feel like two tool cougar needs to visit. <laughs> it's pretty early for the tool cougar. It's now. super early for her. I don't know. That's why I'm, I'm resisting. But it's like, dude, it's like now is the time, right? Well, yeah, it really yeah. is kind of yeah. Bring on the tool cougar. Oh, can you tell me about I... your tool? I mean, uh, <laughs> sorry, tools, tools. Tell me about your tools. <laughs> Well, I, I do feel like it's appropriate because, like, it's been a big tool purchasing time for me. I just, the other day, um, purchased my first anvil, which is a 100-kilo uh, Austrian pattern, like, church anvil in absolute pristine condition. Uh, um, so that was a uh, real... Yeah, I saw that. <laughs> and that's you know that's another base that i need to build now so um because yeah, a lot yeah. of people recommend not putting them on stumps because their bases are so wide um yeah. which makes a lot of sense because if you think about the diameter of a stump that would need that to be to, to house all four feet of it right. it's keeping me pretty far away and i don't have a lot of reach and i'm only five four so my arms only go so far oh yeah so what are you going to um, go for? Are you going to go for the tri-leg stand or what are you thinking? I think so. I have a friend who is, he's got a, 
a few church anvils and he was like, oh, I've got this really cool design, my friend Dan Brubaker. Um, and uh, he was like, it's a really like sci-fi design that I have for this base. And I was like, okay, all right, let's fucking do it. Like I'm in, I'm in the Gold. base building mode. <laughs> so now I might go down a whole rabbit yeah. hole of having like an anvil base that I need to do. But after this forge base, I might just have to like throw it on a tripod for a little while and then revisit it at some other point, you know? I think I've got three anvils in the shop. They're all on tripods and they work great. Actually, I I put wooden blocks under them just to kind of absorb the the rebound and the, the shock out of it a little bit. And I find that they, they stay put pretty well. Um, I would fill the legs with sand and oil just to give it a little more mass yeah you know what i'm talking about yeah yeah for sure but that's that's just my opinion that's just my stupid opinion no i really yeah. appreciate that because i don't yeah. i don't have a lot of friends that actually have their anvils on fabricated bases most people have yeah. them on stumps so a lot of people don't really yeah. i haven't been getting a lot of opinions about it so i do appreciate some some knowledge about yeah. it for sure not, not, when, when i got insurance for my shop i needed to have it off the stump they they would not they didn't like that idea really yeah yeah, yeah. oh man so. i mean the only insurance i could have at my shop uh is liability insurance so if yeah. i burn the place down everyone else is covered but i'm in such a dangerous neighborhood they were like yeah we can't cover you for theft <laughs> or anything else <laughs> oh really <laughs> yeah Damn. yeah well, that's what you got to do in order to be able to afford police out there, I'm sure, right? Yeah, and I mean, it's just it's just inherently like the industrial zones of Oakland are just uh, seedier neighborhoods. Um, so. uh, I think yeah. I think that's pretty much every city. The, yeah. the industrial areas are seedy. It's you know, it's just the way it is. Until we get there and make them hip, and then condos come up across the street that are like going for eight hundred thousand <laughs> yeah. dollars a piece. <laughs> yeah, good old but, gentrification. Yeah. Yeah, gotcha. yeah. <laughs> it's everywhere. Easy, Dale. Easy politics. Yeah. <laughs> uh, I don't think that's politics. I think it's just just the way the world works. Yeah, yeah, that's yeah. the art. That's that artist, True. like you know, artists move into a place that has a lot of blight, and yeah. they just make it beautiful, and and then you know, it just becomes a place that everyone wants to live. It's like we're the, yeah. we're like the coral of the, of cities, you know. Um, oh, that's a cool way of looking at it. That's that's yeah. cool. <laughs> yeah, yeah, and at, it's. At I mean, we time. need we need housing in the bay, so like it's it's yeah. fine. It's just it is what it is. Like we make it cool, and then. And then they, yeah. we build it and they come. So, yeah, there you go. Yeah. Yeah. So what got you, what got you started into blacksmithing? Um, I was specifically blacksmithing. Um, yeah. I got dragged in front of a forge kicking and screaming. Like I didn't really have a huge interest in blacksmithing. Um, I am a fabricator. Uh, so I started when, when I was studying in school, I was only doing fabrication. One of my, my mentors, he's actually like way bigger on the blacksmithing end of things. Um, he'd always be like, you know, you can put that in the fire and heat it up and move it. And I was like, I just really like these grinders, you know? Um, so <laughs> I, I, I don't have any regrets cause I really like moved through <clears throat> that training and knowledge and built a, a really sturdy foundation 
in fabrication oh, and left school and 100%. went to yeah and and i mean you don't even really learn how to weld in art school you just learn how to like not kill yourself in a metal shop and then you get into yeah. a professional commercial shop and they teach you how to do everything um yeah and uh i happen to have a really good mentor and so uh in 2018 when i moved into my second shop that i had um with my friend jay morgan he is a bladesmith and he kept being like he kept, he was watching me uh like take tubes of different sizes and like telescope weld them together and grind it all down into a shape and kind of be restricted <laughs> yeah, by the shape. Yeah. and he's just like looking at me and shaking his head and being like just put it in the fucking fire and be done with it so um i think there just came a point where uh i finally i just gave up it was like a matter of attrition and i was like i i I can't do the shape I want to do. I need, I need to put it in the, the, the forge. And, uh, it, it just immediately became like, uh, yeah. an indispensable part of my process. Um, so then it was like, okay, well I've spent all of my training time, my college time, all of my money on fabrication equipment, welders, grinders. And now I have to buy all of this blacksmithing equipment, um, which I think was part of the reason I was reluctant. Because, like, if you're a fabricator, if I lost my shop tomorrow prior to, like, just banking all of these big pieces of equipment that has just miraculously happened recently, uh, yeah. I could have, like, thrown it all in a storage unit if I really had to. Now I'm at a place where I'm like, I need cranes and I need, I, yeah. you know, it's... It's a different yep. order of magnitude when you buy your first power hammer. Which mm -hmm. takes us back to what we were talking about. <laughs> yeah. Telling us about Tell your us tools. About hammer. Yeah, what do you got for a power hammer? Um I bought Jay Burnham Kidwell's 110 pound Saymac. Nice. Um, yeah, it's kind of the perfect size for me. I work really small, um, so a smaller hammer that can move faster and has smaller dies is uh, pretty advantageous for me. And it's a fairly simple hammer as far as like maintaining it or repairs go. And this one just sort of came up, um, and Jay wanted it to go to someone who. Well, I don't know. I mean, I think he just was being kind of picky about who was going to get this hammer, and um, I was the lucky person that got to get that hammer. So it's beautiful. It's in mint condition. Awesome. Um, yeah, it's it's amazing. I absolutely love it. It's like the heart of my shop at this point, but so it is sitting there. What other kind of tools have you been acquiring lately? You got yourself a hydraulic press? No, not yet. Um, oh. I don't. I, I haven't really had need for one. I've I've actually kind of decided that now that I've got the anvil, which was a big thing because I had been borrowing one from my friend Jay, which was totally fine. But the hardy hole was a really weird size, so I didn't want to make tooling because it was just like if I make tooling for this hardy hole that's seven eighths by, you know nine sixteenths or whatever the fuck it was it was really bizarre then oh, i'm just gonna have a bunch of useless tooling so that was the important thing about buying my own anvil um i don't well, know where i was going with that actually you, you got a good one 
You got yeah. a good one. <laughs> it says a hardy yeah, holds on the one you have now. It's inch and a quarter. Um, oh, yeah. And so my friend across the street, Jim Austin, I know I'm talking about a lot of people, but I've been around a lot of friends lately. Um, oh, sure. Well, and you're in the that, area for a lot of people too, dude. Yeah. 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 I mean, yeah. that that is kind of a crazy thing that I sort of forget sometimes is like, I, I don't know if you guys know who Jim Austin is. He's like a legendary master uh, metalsmith, a blacksmith, uh, makes vintage or uh, Viking axes. Oh. Uh, yeah, he's amazing. But his shop is like across the street from mine. So on oh, any dope. given day, there's like, and, and one of my really good friends, Eli Sedaris, his shop is in that shop. We're actually all really close by each other and have beers on a fairly regular basis. Uh, and then people great. come awesome. to Jim's shop on Fridays and um, so we really do actually, and I, you know, I see Celeste and, uh, Sean Lavelle and other blacksmith, like we all, we all actually do truly hang out and see each other a lot. So super cool. awesome, man. It's a cool scene. Girl. Sorry. And literally, oh uh, no, <laughs> it's totally fine. Um, and, and they all know more about blacksmithing than I do. They're all more experienced than I am. So like getting to hang out with them is just like gleaning all of this wisdom and experience yeah it's really isn't, it's really fantastic isn't that awesome yeah 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 yeah, yeah. I, I i i do want to know some about some of that uh, event that you soaked up there what maybe you soaked up there but it, tools tools i wanted more do you want a hydraulic press is that on the future list or like where are you at with that um i don't know there was a moment where i was making uh a lot of, well, I was making a few sculptures with Damascus, and uh, as soon as I started playing with it, um, people just started sending it to me from all over the country. So I no have way. like piles of Damascus that I oh need to God. figure out what to do with it. Um, so you know, I don't think there's any urgency for me to make my own Damascus, which maybe is kind of a limiting way of thinking about like a forging press. I just think of them as like things that you can make damascus with unless you're going to get into like unless you're going to get really passionate about making dyes and stamping things but it's so unusual for me to be doing repeat work and i really want to stay away from doing that we're like oh this is a this is a knuckle die and it's like great now every piece you have has that same thing on it and it just starts looking the same you know do you know who vivian beer is the name sounds really familiar. I think I just figured out who she was. She's Does she the, do like yeah. the plastic, anti-plastic, whatever it is? Look yeah. at what she does with a hydraulic press and you might change your mind on what's the, the possibilities are like. Mm. When I look at her work, I'm just like, oh my yeah. God, what the mother of F. You know, yeah. you know, the really good thing about a hydraulic press is if you need a die, it's not that hard to make a die. And you can yeah. use Miles Steel. You can use mild steel to make a die. You can so. you can even use top tools under a die or top tools and yeah. I had the idea with when I was building my hydraulic press, I was almost going to put a hardy hole on it so I could use bottom tools on it. I was That's so smart. close. I think I'm going to yeah. make a second one that has a hardy hole on it for that purpose because it would be super great. Like I've got a few dies. Or... Yeah. Totally. The only the only thing I would say is, um, you might. Yeah, I don't know if that's a real. Ah, I don't know if you if you 
made a die that would accept a hardy hole. Like made a die oh. that had a hardy, hardy hole in it, and then yeah. and then you set have, it in. That some big that'd be like the that. way to. Yeah. yeah, that'd be that'd be the way to do it. You need yeah. a deep throat there, for that one, buddy. <laughs> yeah, you do. I said that. You're sick. You're sick. You're yeah. so sick. Yeah. Yeah. Deal with it. <sighs> you took you took some you know some genuine wholesome blacksmithing and you turned it dirty. You turned it so dirty. Yeah. You're the first I, person pre- to ever do that. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> <laughs> uh, hey, yeah. No, okay. Speaking of all <laughs> those smiths that you were talking about, I don't have you guys ever have you heard of Smithlist.net? It was smithlist.ca for the longest time, but it is now smithlist.net. No. Okay, so no, the online um what is blacksmith it? directory. Directory, thank you. Yeah. Yeah. So okay. it's got like events. Uh it's not just for blacksmiths, it's for bladesmiths, farriers, yeah. stores, all sorts and the yeah. guy that's running the website, he's putting in a ton of work to add all sorts of like other information on it now too. It's just yeah. turning into one hell of an amazing website he's offering a thing where you can have a store like like you know like an etsy store kind of thing but it's like his own f- thing that he does through the website somehow that's way better it's yeah. super cool no i haven't you, heard you know of it you, that sounds awesome sorry you know what you can find no no, no all, all good all good you know what you can find on smith list hmm. tell me Mar- maritime knife supply no way. Oh, yeah. Of course, yeah. buddy. He's been on there since almost day one yeah. when it was uh, smithless.ca. Yeah. And, dude, yeah. go figure that Maritime Knife Supply wouldn't be on there because he's on top of the game, dude. And if you are looking for anything knife-related, blacksmithing-related, you need tools, you need supplies, maritimeknifesupply.ca.com. It's a place to go. Mm-hmm. Super fast shipping across all of North America. There's, like, this, like, little thing going on in the background in the blacksmithing community where we're all talking about like how does lawrence do it man he's got some sort of like inside or whatever i don't know yeah, one of these days he's gonna get nabbed for his uh super fast shipping secret skills that he's got doing something there <laughs> you know lawrence i met lawrence last year at maker camp which is coming up this weekend and sadly i'm not going to be able to go um but i just i just adored him and uh He's one of the people I'm sad I'm not going to see this weekend. <laughs> there you go. Yeah. That's pretty awesome. Yeah. I didn't know you got to meet him at Maker Camp. That was super rad. For sure. For sure. Yeah. Well, I mean, uh, Maker Camp is turning into being one of those things that's just like absolutely mind blowing, which is it's kind of weird that we're, you know, okay, bringing this up, Abana is celebrating their 50th anniversary next year did you know that i did yeah so they've they've got an event happening next year that's going to feature all the live demonstrations there's going to be a team forging competition just amazing things for everybody activities and hands-on forging education stuff You, you name it it's abana all these events like maker camp all these all these guys just do you can't miss these events and then there's abana 50th is sure to just blow everybody away uh, it's uh june 6th and 9th in johnstown pennsylvania that's uh where center for metal of arts is isn't it yeah hell yeah it is and that's my birthday weekend oh dang um, <laughs> someone's gonna get their party on 
I got to ask, what, what number is it? Is it uh, a higher seven. number? June 7. 7. Mm-hmm. Oh, yeah. no, I was talking the other number. Oh, what do you Birthday. mean? Like, what age are you? Oh, I'm 36. Wow. Just 36. Isn't that supposed wow. like, Aren't you supposed to not ask people that? Do you like that? I don't know. Yeah, I ask um, everyone. Yeah. <laughs> I yeah. have to know. <laughs> yeah, it's like an old school thing. Eh? That's awesome. Yeah, dude. Yeah. So 37 and you started blacksmithing in 2008. That's when you kind of. No, she started playing with that. metal in 2008. Like playing with yeah. metal in 2008. Yeah. What yeah, that into, that was just like welding on a, we would pull a welder out onto a concrete pad in Savannah and uh, weld things together for the sculpture classes um and then i really picked it back up in like 20 2012 was when i was like full time in the metal shop every day switch my major i'm a metal sculptor and then you know so it's been i let's call it 11 years of like solid every day this is what i do kind of a thing nice what? i didn't start blacksmithing until 2019 oh there you go why why wow. are- only since 2019 and that's crazy like yeah, but, looking at your stuff that's amazing amazing well, I, I think because i mean i had been moving metal in in college when i was taking jewelry classes and like moving metal classes where you're doing right. it with non-ferrous materials yeah. so it's a little bit different because it's less like time constraint oriented but um i think mm-hmm. that's kind of where like the that was sort of the inception of these ideas that if I were to be able to move metal and then fabricate it together, I'd be getting much more organic um, right. results. Yeah. You know? Yeah. You take a look at the work you did before 2019, before blacksmithing, and that was yeah. already mind blowing. Now you're adding blacksmithing to it and it can only grow and blossom further. It's, it's amazing, yeah. dude. Well, in 2019, I remember feeling like I I had stepped out of uh, the box of like, I'm going to do a sculpture of a wasp or a praying mantis and a specific one that I can like pull pictures off the internet and have tons of photo reference and started designing my own anatomy and getting into creature making and monsters. The further away from art school I got, the less I felt like I had to like have a concept and an idea. And, you know, I was like, I just want to make monsters and aliens. Um, And so that like presented its own challenge. But um, I think I felt like I built two monsters in 2019 back to back and they were really stale. And I felt like I was just using the same tricks over and over again. And that I wasn't really surprised by the results um that there was a lot of rigidity in these pieces that I was trying to make look dynamic because I was so bogged down by the sheer amount of work it would take to build those things in a purely fabrication um yeah <clears throat> that once I finally like stopped being stubborn and like plasticizing the metal and like you know g- getting halfway there without having to pick up a grinder I got more ambitious in my forms Mm -hmm. and i think things started to look a lot less rigid and more organic because they were truly moving in a way that organisms do as opposed to like 
if you're building something with geometry, which is good and it's like it's good to have geometry, good control over that. But um, I don't know. It just got a little bit more magical and organic and fluid when I started yeah. working. Definitely. Right. I'll, I'll dial, dial it back to 2005. I was in college, 2005 or 2003? 2005. I was in college for welding. And I started diving into the scrap bin and I was like, oh, let's make this little artsy thing and whatever. And everybody bugged me about it. Oh, the artsy fartsy guy. Here we go. Right. Or what? <laughs> my my teacher kind of, he, he thought it was cool. Some of the stuff that I did and, uh, you know, kind of encouraged me to go for it or whatever and go ahead and play in the scrap bin all you want make what you want. And it was cool. And I kind of, yeah. after college, got super excited with this whole art idea that I wanted to follow. And I got myself my own welder and grinder and stuff and kind of started setting up a little bit of a shop. And I was super pumped on it that, uh, you know, I was going to I was gonna start making art and, and go into business for making art. And everybody in my family was like, no, there's no way you can't do it. It's just not possible. Who's going to buy metal art? Who wants to buy this or that? And you don't even know how to make it. You don't know what you're doing. And I kind of got a little bit of discouragement from there. And then I started looking at some of the forms that I wanted to do. And that's where the discouragement really started to hit me. And I was like, I don't even know how I would make this. It doesn't make any sense to me. The form, the amount of welding I would have to add to something and then the grinding I would have to do, it just doesn't make any sense to me. <laughs> threw, it, threw it down and walked away from it, didn't really worry about it. Like I still had welding for like fixing things or building like a little structure here and there or whatever, but I never, I didn't look at art for like, oh geez. 10, 12 years probably. And then blacksmith, a buddy of mine asked me if I wanted to build a forge. The light just went off again. And all of a sudden I was like, oh my God, this is how you do it. This is how it's done. I, I got the power. Yes. And I'm back in the game now. And I'm like, I know. So I know I feel where you're coming from is what I'm trying to say. So long. No, that sounded very familiar to me. I was like, yeah, I do that every day. <laughs> um, yeah. And I, it's not a, it's not a friendly, like, the art world is not, and I don't mean like the people, I mean like the actual market, if you want to call it that, like the art world is not a friendly, like they don't, even if you're, I've, I, I, I feel frustrated at this point. Well, I, I don't know. I don't want to, they still don't understand metal art. They still don't understand it. It's been around for a long time at this point but it's not really seen as a fine art, um, uh, like a traditional fine art medium. And I think it speaks volumes that me and my friend Nemo, who's also a metal artist, and um, he also does a lot of like machining and putting found objects together and kinetics work. So he's definitely more on like the machining side, but we both, and our friend Rebecca Fox, all three of us got into the D Young Museum for their D Young Open, which is a huge deal. They, I've never seen them accept. I've never seen the art world accept so much metal art in one swoop. It kind of makes me feel hopeful towards the future that it could be a viable business plan. Because my parents said the same thing. Like, well, when I told them 
that I was actually not in art school for architecture and I was actually there for painting. They were super bummed to hear that. <laughs> and then it just got like further and further into like, no, I'm going to be a sculptor. No, I'm going to be a metal sculptor. They were just like, how are you going to make money? You know? <laughs> and the, the, the irony is like, I could, I could go and I could jump into a commercial shop tomorrow and make money if that's what I wanted yeah. to do. I, I loved building furniture. Oh, yeah, um, so it's, you do get this valuable trade at this, this group of skills, but it is, extremely hard to sell work when most of the public is not educated on metal art and i see that struggle mm. across the country around the world and you know not the only one yeah. having that conversation you know well yeah. i my wife has grilled me on it too still like still to this day because now that i've accepted blacksmithing is just part of life now for me it's like literally you know, as as important to me as uh, I don't want to say family because that's more important, but it's pretty close. I'll tell you what. Okay, <laughs> but uh, when it comes to trying to run a full time business as a blacksmith doing art, especially in Winnipeg, dude, like the there's just not the money here for somebody. Like there are some full time blacksmiths here. One of the guys that I know that has a fairly successful business. He doesn't do a lot of artwork. It's mostly industrial work that he's doing. And the guys that I do know that are doing successful in the art world, there's only a couple of them. Like Matt Jenkins is pretty successful, but he's also very, very involved in doing um, hardware and, and, you know, usable items, right? Not just art. He has to really, he has to spread out what he works on, right? In order to have as successful of a business as he does. When I look at some of the people in Europe, though, there's guys out there that can really focus on just the artwork. It seems like out there, it's people understand the metal art, like you're, what you're saying, that maybe there is hope that that's going to start to flood over to North America and people are going to start to accept it as a more fine art here in North America, like they do in Europe and even South America. There's places that really accept it as a fine art down there compared to North America. So, uh, yeah. And, you know, I think that it might've been um, Jake James who was talking about this. Um, I feel like I've had this conversation with Jake before. And this brings me back to Sia where like when we were there, I couldn't, it blew my mind how many civilians from the town came to look at what was happening and were like excited about metal art because it was happening in the city center. So like it was, it was like in the square of their town and the whole town was all about metal art for the weekend. It was everywhere. Yeah. And so I think number one, I mean, if you're in Italy, like the tradition of patrons and them um, floating, you know, artistic ironwork has always been there. And that, you know, that is ancient. And then it, that didn't really travel to the U S maybe, but it's also about the fact, I believe that like when we have our blacksmithing events, we keep them very insular as opposed to involving the exterior communities and getting them excited and uh, like trying to show them what goes into it. If you're in a town 
like Stia, and they get to go and look at this competition and then see some of these incredible pieces that are being built. It's this immediate education of like where they're, you know, this is, this is how that is happening. And it's so freaking cool. You know, um, we don't have that necessarily here. I don't know if you guys have it. Definitely Um, not. No. Yeah. I think maybe it Vancouver might have a little bit more of a connection to that. There's because there's the money in Vancouver, right? Yeah. Yeah. And an art. There's a lot of money in the Bay area too. You know, true. We're still struggling down here. (laughs) That's true. Have you you heard of, I I think, sorry, go ahead. But I think in North America um, in general, there isn't a huge appreciation for metal art. I mean, I think that is definitely more of a European thing. And the the proof is, I mean, <laughs> that's where all the really cool hammers are made. That's where all the really cool blacksmith tools are made. I mean, if a farrier in North America really wants to hone their craft, they go to England. That's where they learn how to really move metal. It's, you know, there's a, um, we, you were talking to Mystic Forge. I mean, he, he got his trade ticket papers in england well, that's where he's from um, yeah yeah well that and and yeah i mean it, the proof here, is in the pudding look at his work and it's just yeah. like whoa <laughs> you know i mean you know there there just isn't that focused as for for blacksmithing to be a trade and and especially for for metal art you know so yeah. Well, I don't know That's... what's I don't know what these like young people in America are supposed to do, and I mean I don't know maybe it's the same in Canada, but to go to a private art school is so freaking expensive. Yeah. You can't just go fly to England and then be an apprentice for a blacksmith for you know five months or whatever. You have to start immediately paying back your student loans. Like so, yeah. there's not a there's not a real good pathway for no. young people. To get that uh, the training that they need, you know. So this yeah. brings to question something that I've been wondering about quite a bit: is the the need for art school in the blacksmithing world or the metal art world in North America? One of the things that I've noticed is the people that have gone to art school seem to have a higher uh, higher end gr- grasp on what's going on in the in the blacksmithing world and how to get their work out and how to how, how to create pieces that are are going to get noticed. Uh, they've you know they, 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 there's a connection to the art world through them that other artists that haven't gone to school uh, they don't they don't seem to have that same connection. But there are artists that haven't gone to school that are also very successful in the art world, and it leads me to wonder is art school a necessity when it comes to blacksmithing or would you be better off doing something like going to Europe and spending five years in Europe traveling? Because there are guys that still do that. They will go to Europe and travel from shop to shop, spending a few years over there learning or maybe going to Japan. I know there's a guy from Canada and Japan right now. He's been there for a few years. Yeah. I follow that guy on TikTok. TikTok for the win. (laughs) It's uh, yeah. Yeah. And it's really cool. He's showing, everything about making tamahogany and and uh and just and they even hold knife classes in his in his master's studio there so yeah it's really it's really cool that sounds awesome yeah and Uh, showing the proper way to water quench which is that 
yeah, more people fail that than ever. So, yeah. I don't quench anything in my shop, so luckily yeah. I, I don't. Yet, I haven't yeah. ever heat not treated yet. anything. Not yeah, yet. no, not yet. <laughs> not yet. Trust um, me, it'll it'll end up happening one day, and then everybody will be like, "Oh, she's a knife maker now." <laughs> <laughs> I might try to get through my entire career without making a single knife. Um, good luck. <laughs> good luck. <laughs> um yeah people are going to be like in my scrap in being like this is pretty sharp this could be a knife what are you talking about you made a knife hey, um, you were just talking about how much freaking damascus you have in your shop yeah yeah but it's all for yeah. sculpture i mean it's it's Aww. crazy because i mean yeah i have i have really cool plans with it and yeah what one my friend josh prince i i don't know if you guys know joshua prince he's an incredible nice artist if you don't know who you're talking about then what the heck right (laughs) um he's also going to be at maker camp this weekend you guys might have to go to maker camp at some point meet meet a bunch of people yeah Um, if the stars align i don't know (laughs) to to be honest I just find that I'm I'm too busy. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, yeah I couldn't I couldn't make it work this year, honestly. Yeah. I well, I mean, having gone to Stia, like that was my time and money for the year outside of the yeah. shop. Oh, for sure. Totally. I you bet know? you that was yeah. Yeah. Crazy. Yeah. yeah, for sure. Um but uh yeah, I mean so like the stuff that Josh sends me is so inspired and interesting he'll send me like a, a unique medallion that I'll call him up and be like, this is going to have to be some sort of Cyclops tentacle thing because it's just this jewel of a piece of Damascus, you know? Um, But you know, a lot of, a lot of guys that are knife makers that send me steel, um, you know, and it's, I I don't mean to say that it happens all the time, but knife steel is actually, uh, is tough to work with. You know, yeah. like it doesn't want to, I yeah, need things is. to be able to dish and expand. And, and so, um, eventually I'll have to start making my own so that I can kind of, uh, make really soft things that are going to want to forge and fabricate wow. easily or but, steal um, a nickel. Yeah. yeah. That's, that's, that's what, uh, that's what I've heard. And I think that that's yeah. probably fairly easy to get it to like, um, laminate and weld together and it's not that hard to deal with but you know what you're gonna you're gonna find that well and i don't know how much forge welding you do with mild steel but um i've never uh, forge welded anything i've never forge welded anything you're gonna find that high carbon steel will forge weld a lot easier than mild steel yeah Yeah. with nickel it'll be pretty easy with straight nickel interesting Yeah. yeah yeah Yeah, especially with a gas forge especially with gas forge so what what we were saying going back to what we were saying before about uh me not really being i guess not really ready for a press is the fact that like a lot of the equipment that i've just purchased and inherited all of jay kidwell's top tools i have a lot of learning to do and like familiarizing myself with what I've got before I kind of go branch further out. Like I feel very, um, at this point, and this is like, I, I don't, I hope this doesn't sound like complaining. I, I, I feel super lucky, but I feel very, um, 
like overstimulated and like I've been out in the world absorbing and gathering equipment and it's like now it's really time to sit down and fail at this stuff a bunch and figure it out because <laughs> I don't really know you know well, like you I'm saying it. like I've never I've never forge welded like I just don't have the experience yeah. you know um so uh yeah there's gonna be a lot of that yeah that's good having somebody yeah. that can show you that you know go yeah yeah go so instead of trying to fight with it on your own go yeah. so much farther you know what yeah. though you're you're gonna fail a bunch and that's okay just keep it's inevitable going at it yeah. yeah and and figure out what your technique is but generally speaking make sure there's no oxide between the welds um get it hot and beat the shit out of it quick yeah even blows and then yeah and then you're you're gonna be solid yeah you've got that's... welding like like steel welding like mig welding and tig welding you've done that yeah lots already right yeah yeah so, i mean yeah. i could probably tig weld a billet together if i had to but um, where i'm going with that is the knowledge of understanding how metal how you can manipulate metal at that state it it goes for some i don't know how to explain it but it just it works so much better when it comes to forge welding if you've got that knowledge already yeah. yeah. Okay. That well, that's comforting to know. I mean, I have found that yeah. my fabrication experience has definitely lended really uh, has lended to my inexperience with forging. Yeah, in sure. For sure. So I'm gonna I'm gonna switch up gears here a little bit. Um, your work has a very particular theme. How what inspires you to do the work that you do? Well, um, I'm kind of curious what you think the particular theme is. <laughs> there's, there's a lot of monsters there. There's a lot yeah. of monsters. Yeah. 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 I think I definitely work in the ambiguous. Like, are they cute and playful or are they terrifying or they're kind of somewhere in between? I don't know. Some people yeah. find them scarier. Some people find them more like funny and cute. Um, but uh, I, I don't know. I mean, I grew up on did you guys ever see the tv show stranger things never heard of it before never heard of it or are you messing <laughs> no, with no. me I'm fine. um yeah. so i grew up on the abandoned air force base that that tv show was based on um, seriously so i like my childhood was and the the abandoned air force base has there's the base and the radar tower and then a short walk through the woods. There's like 21 houses that are all the same in their military houses. And in the eighties yeah. they were opened up and um, like raffled off. Like there was a lottery to like get the opportunity to buy one of those homes. And my parents got one of those homes. So oh. um, we were like the first generation of kids to move into that neighborhood in the eighties. And um, it is from there panning out this it's it's at the very 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 tip of long island and it's surrounded by miles of woods and then ocean on three sides so we're mm. kind of in the middle of nowhere on this abandoned air force base in so basically my playground as a kid was hanging out in the abandoned buildings that were just like abandoned one day like there were like 
there were still like little pencils in the bowling alley and, you know, checks all over the floor. And we'd go down these, just a, just our, we, Gnarly. we were not supposed to be in there, but as children, we were like in these buildings that yeah. were like falling down into credit. Like and you're never like going to stop shit. kids from going into abandoned buildings. Yeah. <laughs> hey, kids, don't go in there, kids. Yeah. yeah. That, that's never going to happen. Yeah. <laughs> Um, so I think a combination of that and then, you know, my other pastime being like hanging out in the swamps around my house where I'd just constantly be catching yeah. frogs and lizards and bugs and snakes. Um, I think it's like my love for uh, my love for nature and just kind of always growing up inherently on the dark side of things that uh, that leads me to making monsters and aliens. That's pretty cool. Yeah. That's really cool. And I, yeah. I think as I got older, too, because, yeah, we really did live in a town where, like, they built a library when we were kids, but there wasn't one before there. And, and I didn't have cable TV. And there was a movie theater, but it was only open in the summer months. And it was a one-room movie theater. And, you know, the video rental place was, like, there was no franchise there. So it was just, like, this small store that had what it had. Um I didn't really know I was a sci-fi nerd until way later in life. Um, <laughs> so when I met my husband, he was like, you've never seen Alien? Um, which was in like 2012. Um, yeah. So I was like a late bloomer and well, it made a lot of things make sense for me. Alien was like way before 2012. Yeah. Like that was No, but that's latest. when I saw it. That Oh, really? Yeah, that's the first oh, wow. time I saw it was in 2012. Can you believe that? So did you have... 1979, that movie came out. Yeah. Did wow, you have an intuition towards these alien features and monster features before the sci the opening to the sci-fi world? Yeah. Um, I was starting to make work and people kept saying your work looks a lot like hr giger and i was like i don't know who that is um and then i watched alien and was like oh so where where <laughs> do you think it came from then like like how did you and how you had to have some sort of like beyond just nature that you you were able to twist your your thoughts on nature into these monsters there must have been something that 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 alluded to that well i think by the time i was making monsters it was like 2018 so i had had a healthy 6 years of okay, absorbing okay. all of mm. the all of the sci-fi i had never seen in my life and all the books you know um so at that point, I had a lot of reference and inspiration from other creature designers and artists. Um, and you'd already been making I'm, a bunch of bugs that you can use for the same idea for, you know, body shapes and stuff like that, right? Yeah, totally. I mean, yeah. there, one thing I will say is like lots of plants, um, flowers, but like anything with an exoskeleton is really easy to fabricate and steel as opposed to like an animal with fur um, or feathers, mm -hmm. <laughs> which yeah, I'm yeah. learning right now. Um, so, you know, you could kind of work really clean if you want to do exoskeletal insect. Yeah. Uh, and you start realizing that like a lot of the monsters that you've been seeing on TV and in movies are based on insects anyways, you know, oh, yeah. or some yeah. creature 
Are you just yeah, insects and plants? And, yeah. yeah. You're just learning how to forge feathers right now? Yeah. So um, I, as I'm building this Baba Yaga, these chicken legs on this Baba Yaga forge, yeah. um, I... I really want the scale. I've been paying really close attention to scale. And so the first several layers, about the first 12 inches up the up the thighs of the chicken, um, are just wires that are intended to look like the very small hairs at the bottom of chicken legs. Yeah. Um, but then my friend Douglas Pryor reached out to me. Do you guys know who Douglas Pryor is? Who? Have <laughs> I just... <laughs> um, it's like I'm walking out of a time capsule and you guys are like, you don't need to explain to us who these people are. Um, so my friend Doug Pryor was like, oh, you know, are you going to like make some real feathers? And I was like, yeah, but like, I wish you were here to show me how it's done. Doug is another person who is local. He's in Sacramento. So he's a, you know, hour okay. and 40 minute drive. So he came down um, <clears throat> last week and helped me develop uh a, how to make your feathers yeah basically how to yeah. design we workshopped how to how to make them and how to make them make lots of them and make them fast but yeah. unfortunately he was showing me all this these really cool uh techniques on his shear and then he took it home with him <laughs> so and what kind that's of shear? I, so i went to harbor freight the next day and bought a shear and it was I, I think it might have been like bent. It was like they were like, Oh, it's the last one we have in stock and I was like, That's probably not a good thing. Like yeah. it might have been hanging out for a reason. It might have been returned. But I got it and it was kinda of bent and it wasn't really cutting and um I had I had been down um I feel like I'm just name dropping like crazy. I was at my friend Tony Swatton's place in uh Oh hell yeah soon. and he was showing me his Beverly shears because he was yeah. like, Dude, how are you cutting out all of your how are you cutting out all of your plate? And I was, I was like, I'm cutting it all out with a cutoff wheel. And he was and like, grinder. why are you doing that? Yeah. <laughs> Cause it's like, yeah. it's expensive. You're running through cutoff discs like a motherfucker. Yeah. And those are expensive. And you're throwing a ton of abrasives up into the air. Yeah. And I do enough of that as it is. So he was showing me his B2 well, and it was slicing through eighth inch plate. Like it was nothing. Yeah. Um, so I decided to bite the bullet and I just bought, a Beverly B2 share. Do you mind like me asking how much that cost? It was a thousand nine dollars with shipping, and it was it was American. probably delivered today. Yeah, yeah, U.S. dollars. Oh. Shit, there's a guy with shipping in Winnipeg. He just po yeah. he just posted one for sale today for eight hundred bucks. I bought a Beverly shear, but oh. the blade on it has a chunk taken out of it, and it doesn't cut very nice because of that. I got mine for two hundred bucks, dude. Dude, Whoa. right? I freaking yeah. I didn't. I, so I, you, I you would, then, before I went to go get it, I thought to myself, "Oh my god, two hundred dollars is like I'm stealing this. I better check on Amazon because I want to see what they're actually worth." Looked on Amazon, there were like three hundred and something bucks through Amazon. So I'm like, "Oh, I'm not really stealing this." Then I see this one today for eight hundred dollars, and I'm like, "Maybe I did steal it." And then you're telling me yeah. what you're telling me, and I'm like, "Oh shit, damn." I kind of feel bad yeah. now. Like I, I practically stole the bloody thing, dude. That's fucking crazy. Well, did you buy a B one or a B two or B three? Do you know which one you got? Not one hundred percent. What's the no. What's the capacity on it? Um, can you cut like eighth inch plate, like ten gauge, or? I 
don't think I could cut 10 gauge on it. No. Because they think... get significantly more expensive as they get. Yeah, like and the, the well, B1... the one you got posted today was a B2 for 800. Yeah. Those, yeah. So Fuck. the, the, the B1 is, it goes up to like 16 gauge or something like that. And um, that's what I got. It's usually like 350 to 500 bucks. The okay. B2 can go um everything fine up to eighth inch and that's why that's like the sweet spot and the b3 can do fucking everything so the b3s are like fifteen hundred dollars and i found that like i was looking on ebay i was looking at refurbished ones and i i found that they they don't really lose their value at all so if you're to buy a used one you're paying almost as the exact same you're going to pay for a brand new one that you know is like you know hasn't been like mistreated at all i don't know um but yeah they they get (laughs) (laughs) they get way more expensive as they get in the b2s and b3s are a lot yeah yeah i think that's with everything the 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 bigger it is the more expensive it's going to be yeah the more capacity the the bigger yeah the bigger capability that i don't know i'm pretty sure i'm pretty cheap buddy yeah i know i know oh shoot shoot myself in the foot there aren't i (laughs) uh yeah that usually works out pretty well for me actually because i find that i don't really need the big hammers and the big anvils and the big Mm -hmm. this and the big that because all of my stuff is so small that i kind of i get into the sweet spot in the markets where you know nobody wants 110 pounds they want you know a nasal oh yeah yeah what's your uh what's your go-to hand hammer I have a rounding hammer by John Ariani. Nice. Sunset Forge. Hell yeah. He he actually makes most of my hammers. I just love his hammer so much and I I love him too. So um <laughs> that it's no basically doubt. a replica of my uh my jewelry chasing hammer and it's kind of my ride or die. I also really like ball peen hammers. Um and I have two very very fancy hammers that ben snore made for me nice um, because i'm kind of like a tough date like my my husband has to find really creative ways to like give me bling bling so he did it in these <laughs> there i have these two like jelly roll hammers that ben snore made for me that are like they're, oh, they're gorgeous i almost so don't awesome. even want to use them i know um, that yeah. yeah lots of favorites but i'd say my rounding hammer is like my workhorse you know yeah deadly dude super awesome, awesome man yeah what's uh what are some of the uh other like tools that you'll really lean on type thing for making some of like forms and stuff like that are you the type of person that'll go to like a wood stump and a sandbag or do you do you have like certain items that you've kept from from scrap or something maybe that you utilize a lot do yeah. You, do you make any of your like own tools, that kind of thing either? Yeah. Um I need to start doing that. Um yeah. that is kind of uh, w- one of the things like there's a few things that I'm kind of insecure about that I'm like I just I just don't relate to anyone else in this way like I I don't get that excited about uh tools and I I am really bad at stopping and making the thing that I need to make for the thing. So I I kind of need my yeah. friend Jim to come over and just like put me through do- tool making boot camp a little bit. Um, but uh, I, I have 
um, a pretty massive swage block that gets a lot of work done for me because I do a lot of I do a lot of sheet work. I guess that's why the rounding hammer is my favorite as opposed to like a forging hammer that I'm moving mass with. Um, yeah. So the swage block is really helpful, and then I also have like these these discs <clears throat> or they're tubes. They're like um, they're cutoffs of giant hydraulic pistons that I got from. Um, this place that makes crazy hydraulics, massive hydraulics, um, where I can sink big, you know, dish big things into. And I'm kind of getting curious about stump work. Um, but I think that it's, if I'm being honest, I haven't really spent a ton of time building sculpture this year, unfortunately. Um, so I, I think I'm, um, I'm, I'm kind of ill-equipped to talk about like, well, not ill-equipped, but like, I, I don't really know where I'm going to go. I'm not really sure. You know, I feel like I have so much yeah. territory to cover in front of me and um, yeah. I'll, I'm sure I'll surprise myself with like what I gravitate towards. But I usually, I'm kind of, uh, I'm kind of low maintenance. Like I, I just will grab like a pipe and just like sink something into it. And I, I think that because I use such thick, uh, material like I use a lot of eighth inch plate for most of my work um, I have so much material to work with that I can surface that to look like I forged it really nice without like leaving you know if, even if I'm leaving gnarly marks yeah. or anything so um, you know, um, <laughs> <like cats>. <laughs> <laughs> yeah nice. um, yeah um, yeah, but I stump, I, I think I could get a lot of use out of, you know, yeah. and I, I grinders, I'm like a grinder freak. Um, so I, <laughs> I have a lot of angle grinders more and more as the days go on. My friend Rebecca was just showing me this one. That's like, it's, it's almost like a, it almost takes like a rowlock, like a two inch rowlock, but it's not a pneumatic. It's an actual electric angle grinder that has a tapered head on it, which is, no. very interesting to me um yeah. so i'm going to be purchasing that and trying that out um but i do i use a lot of burrs a lot yeah. of pneumatic yeah where do you buy pneumatic. all their stuff from all my burrs i buy from mcmaster okay yeah that's McMaster not cheap Car. no yeah. and uh no. I, I brought them <laughs> i'm currently uh trying to get a like a bag of them back from this machinist i dropped them off to get them sharpened about a year ago and he was like oh yeah i'll ship him out once i have like enough like orders because of freight um and then he just never did and i was like i'm pretty sure there's a machinist like down the street that just does it in-house and so i asked him for my burrs back and he was like oh i'm gonna have to find those oh beauty which might take some time uh. it's like one of those machinist shops where it's like how do you eat where do you even sit and eat your lunch in this place like uh, so hmm. i don't know but what yeah, do you they like are when it comes to that? Are you a are you a clean freak? Are you OCD when it comes to your shop organization? Or yeah, yeah, girl. Yeah, I well, I'm kind of a unique monster because like I I like things really tidy. I like things to all have a place. I don't have unnecessary superfluous stuff and tools. Whoa, um, whoa, but whoa, then like whoa. <laughs> Take right off, eh? Come on, you gotta have at least the, a couple. Like, you gotta have a, a moose head hanging on the wall. You gotta have the beer, big beer bottle banners. 
Come on. I now. have I have a dead sturge. I have a dried dead sturgeon. Um, yes. I've got a gargoyle. I've got I've got decor. I've got okay. decor. Okay. Okay. Um, but uh, um, but if you open up like one of my drawers, like all the drill bits are just a mess. So I'm kind uh, of that <laughs> level of organized where I'm like, yeah. I really just need to get a bit indexed. But um, I don't know if it's just a product of the fact that like I've been sharing a lot of my personal shop space with my shop mate and he just moved out and my my friend Jay and we were sharing a lot of forging equipment so that kind of spurned this like okay I need to get some stuff uh, um but also kind of like taking back my space and being like I should probably like be a little bit more organized about things and yeah. um I don't know it's a constant process you know like we moved into that shop in 2018 and uh, we barely really like got in there before COVID hit. And mm-hmm. then it's just been, you know, crazy. It was, yeah, 2020 was kind of crazy. And I don't know, just piles just piled up. And Oh, I get it, dude. Yeah. I just moved into my <laughs> shop uh, and house. We're almost here two years now. It'll be two years yeah. at the end of November. And I'm still like so so much work to get things organized yet so much work i i thought i was going to be way further ahead than i am but this summer just did not pan out the way i thought it was going to it's really hard to move your shop and your house at the same time too like yeah. we we bought a house in 2020 um and i was actually like on the set of metal shop masters while we were closing on the house and no. so it was this crazy 2020 was absolutely nuts. Um, so I came back and was like, I'm absolutely exhausted. I crashed for a day. And then it was like, okay, we're moving in six days. We got to pack up a, a 1,200 square foot warehouse apartment that we've been living in for 11 years. Oh, um, boy. But luckily, I had done the shop move two years earlier. So it wasn't all at once. But I've been living here. We've been living here for three years. And I'm just now starting to feel like. I have shelves where I need shelves and like yeah. things are more organized, you know, it yeah. takes, takes a lot of time. How's that backyard of yours yeah. though with your sculptures? You still, have you added more to it or? Um, well, I have a beautiful Peter Braspening's piece back there now um, nice. that needs a proper base. Um, but no, I haven't been acquiring all that much for the sculpture garden. Um, I need to get on that actually. Yeah, uh, super all cool idea. All that's back there of mine is like my my student work because I don't mind it getting rusty. But in general, yeah. like I don't, I don't put my pieces outside. You know. Okay. Do you uh, do you ever use hard. lint? Oh, sorry, sorry. Go ahead. No, no. You... Just saying, like people, people, if they want to buy a metal sculpture, they're way more likely yeah. to buy one if they can put it outside. If you're like, oh, yeah. you can, but it's gonna like the patina and it's just gonna get rusty. They're like, oh, never mind, yeah. you know. Yeah, yeah, yeah. No, I run into that lots. Do you ever, do you ever uh, use linseed oil? Yes. Yeah. Um, yeah. I used to sandblast all of my pieces and. Um, apply linseed oil and get really stripy legs on the spiders and if it's yeah really shiny you get like nice yellows and if it's deep and sandblasted you get like nice brown to olive and oh, i haven't yeah. done it in a minute um i'm i'm like yeah. fully on these sculpt nouveau products um oh, yeah. they're just consistent 
and easy and they all stack on top of each other and they last i i mean i'm i've always been dubious of like okay well i'm sealing this but i'm gonna have to nice <laughs> black, magic. black magic right here you betcha you betcha um oh, you betcha. yeah <laughs> <laughs> um i uh i yeah I, I put black magic on everything that's kind of where i like sink yeah. all the darks in and then i'll bring the lights back out and um and then add more colors and push the darks oh yeah like sure. their smart stains right on. and then their clear guard is awesome too oh yes oh yeah oh yeah no for sure for sure oh. yeah and i they like have uh, really cool sorry no go ahead sorry no no they have, they have cool what? oh um they have really cool outdoor sealants that i haven't really experimented with but oh, when yeah. i was down in san diego demonstrating at the last spring conference they gave me some samples and i really would like to try them out and see because they i mean all of their products work as they claim and these technically would be able to put you know a patinated steel piece outside with the sealant and not have the problems i'm talking about so that's uh very interesting i have been on the page of trying to figure something like that out for a long time because same as what you say people want to be able to put their pieces outside and when they find out that it's going to rust they're like eh, yeah even me myself i'm like i want to put something outside and just let it rust right who was it that we had on recently um oh shoot why am i forgetting his name oh. with the drag um, dragon from Vancouver. Oh. He oh, made the T Rex. He just set up the T Rex in Penticton. He just erected that like a week ago, dude. Oh, yeah. Kevin Stone. Oh, yeah. That's go. what I was yep. going to say. Yes. Yeah. yeah. He recommended using Penetrol, the oil based. Mm. And he said he will, he knows yeah. of guys that have coded outdoor work with that stuff. And 10 years later, it's still rust free. Wow. That's awesome. Um, and he yeah. do, he like works a lot in stainless too, though, right? He or does. Is he... Yeah. Okay. Yep. He's a yep. huge stainless guy for sure. Yeah, his work is really cool. Uh, and have you? Do you know of uh, Jen Phillips? Yes. Yeah, I do. Yeah. Yeah, we're connected yeah. on Instagram. Nice. Oh, there you go. Yeah. There's a lot she more does... metal sculptors than I think out in the world. It's pretty yeah. cool. It's we're She's learning really that. Cool <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yep. For sure. Yeah. We you were bringing up linseed oil, dude, and I know where you're going with that. We all know where you're going yeah. with that. Yeah, we we got love for linseed oil because we got some friends in Saskatchewan that they actually farm linseed, the flax flour. They take the flour, yeah. they crush that seed, they make the oil, and they make it food safe as well. Unlike most store bought stuff, full of japan dryer and other freaking additives these guys aren't putting any additives in their oil they also make a beeswax and linseed oil paste that you can use for coating your stuff i like rubbing it all over my wood if you know what i'm saying there's the lint shield that has the added carnauba and if i'm not mistaken i i don't know where he's at with this i'm pretty sure he's got it going he's got a line of paint that he's been doing too so yeah Really cool. That's uh, if, did I say it was the Twitter? Yeah, you did not. Yeah, the Twitter yeah. Lindsay oil. Yeah. Uh, I'm gonna yeah. have to check that out. 
because uh, oh, I used yeah. to really love working with the stuff. Like, I really love the smell of it. And mm -hmm. it's just, I don't know. I think it kind of brings me back to my painter days. Um, so yeah. there's like a real nostalgia. Yeah. And it does have such a beautiful finish to it that <clears throat> I should really try that out. So he's got one that he's got uh, pine tar added to it. When you apply it hot. The smell of the linseed and pine combined, dude. Mwah. Oh, oh. <laughs> mamma mia. It is so good. So good. <laughs> and you amazing. can use the code ForgeChat10 at checkout to save yourself 10% on orders $50 or more. Yeah, ForgeChat10. That would make That's sense. ForgeChat10. Yeah. 10%. There you go. Orders $50 or more. We never, when we were talking about maritime knife supply, we didn't bring up the fact that we could save you $100 on even heat or paragon kilns. I don't know if you've got a kiln yet. Oh, there you go. Yeah. But if you ever decide that you want to get a kiln, look up maritime knife supply. He'll have it shipped to you the next day type thing. Or that same day, he'll be throwing it in the mail Some, for you. And somebody you can was... save $100. Forge. Somebody was saying that... Job. <laughs> they don't do heat treating, so that's not a, yeah, not not yet, um, not yet. I that that is something that my shopmate had, <clears throat> and I always really liked the idea that I could make a tool and throw it in there and um and like work hard in it or temperature it or whatever. There um, you go. She yeah. needs a kiln. And work hard. I do. I do. Yeah, she needs. Yeah. You need yeah. to get into some metallurgy, girl. Head yeah, over I to do. Maritime Knife Supply. <laughs> Put a kiln in your cart. Use the code FSE kiln at checkout and save yourself a hundred dollars, girlfriend. <laughs> <laughs> girlfriend, go get go get yourself a kiln. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> yeah. Well, yeah. It, making ha go. hammers, top tools, bottom tools. Uh, yeah, yeah. Bottom. Oh. Yeah. So well, go ahead. And yeah. in, in Canada, you can get gator piss through maritime knife supply and if you're going to be using if you're going to be doing some damascus, damascus. work yeah. need it need a good etchant that is the stuff it's a uh, baker forging tool yeah. baker forging tool makes that stuff but the, the distributor in canada is maritime knife supply so amazing i really want to try gator piss and i for one yeah actually really like the name a lot <laughs> well, yeah i love it <laughs> yeah of course um but uh you know koi koi baker and the guys like all the cool stuff coming out of their shop uh koi has sent me some cool pieces that i have like really amazing plans for so um everything they do i mean i'm i'm certain that when i get gator piss eventually it's going to be as magical as everything else that comes out of their <laughs> shop right i'm excited yeah. to see what you're going to do with that that's very very interesting <laughs> what oh my dear lord what are you going to do come on any any reveal reveal a little secret here what, what do you oh um for what i'm doing with the piece that koi sent me yeah uh he sent me a piece of copper my and i was like can i forge mm. this and he was like no but you can definitely like he was he said i don't recommend that but um carving and welding and i was like sounds great so yeah. I have this really trippy caterpillar sculpture that I've been, I have the model all built um, and I've just been waiting for the right time. And maybe even 
like stack some more skills up before I can actually build it. But it has this weird like skull face piece and that's going to be made out of the copper my and just have this like um, vein of copper like going through like its its headpiece. Um, mm-hmm. So kind of have you ever take welded like, copper before? No. Oh, dude, it's fun. How is it? It's fun. Is it? Yeah, it's cool. It's very cool. Um, you just blew my mind. Just went <laughs> welding Damascus. Being able because that, dude, that's yeah. half the issue. Is like you get a a plate of Damascus, and it's like. Well, or a block, and there's only so much you can manipulate to that, right? Especially copper mine. It's yeah. like, what do you do with it? Well, if you can, I want to make myself carve like, it. Yeah, or, and or welding it, take welding it together. You could totally take yeah. welding together. Yeah, you just have to play to the material strength. I mean, that's that's yeah. why, I, you know, as somebody who has no metallurgy understanding under my belt, I just have to like take the advice of the person that has sent me the thing and be like, don't do this with it, but you can do this. Yeah. And it's like, even when I did that piece, um, that was like a collaboration between me and Josh Prince. That was like this orchid with uh, like a crazy, all the petals were Damascus. That was like a, a wrought iron Damascus that he made that should have never really wanted to weld and I like embedded it into a mild steel plate so that I wouldn't mess up the pattern you have to get pretty creative about how you work with the stuff if you're going to be welding mm-hmm. it and sculpting it but um you know there's a whole world to exp- I'm I'm so glad that I have gotten into the stuff enough that like I will have enough curiosity to carry me through my entire lifetime because right. the things that I plan that I want to do with the material and how to manipulate it, I don't even know how to do it yet, but okay, so I think it'll take me my whole life. <laughs> sometimes it's better to not know what you're doing because you can have happy mistakes that end up yeah. being really informative. Yeah. Right here in my hand is don't know how well you can see oh that. cool that's, yeah i can see it that's kumai that was a billet awesome. of kumai that i twisted and oh, apparently you can't do that <laughs> but you did do it but i did it so i don't know huh. yeah yeah i think there's something there to be know. said about that like i i think i keep having this conversation with friends that are way more experienced with blacksmithing where i'm like i just need to learn the what's that one? Oh, that's, that's gorgeous just, i think it's about uh i think it's 150 layer damascus yeah stunning just, just yeah you know what i made it and i brought it home i polished up one side really well gave it a coffee etch and uh brought it home for my wife and said here here you go it's so, gorgeous yeah, yeah i mean i think that Damascus isn't really treated like the jewel that it can be. Like I yep, even, yeah, yep. when, when well, people were like, what do you do with those? What are, what are you going to do with this piece? I'm like, I could just turn it into a cabochon and like mm. bezel set it into a sculpture. Like it could be an eye. It could be an, yeah, you know totally, what? exactly. I fully agree, dude. Get, find yourself somebody who works with, uh, does do, uh, sorry, does dudes, Woots Damascus. Get, get yourself some woots 
it's crucible Damascus. Okay. So this, this isn't really Damascus. This is pattern welded steel. It's 1084 and 15 and 20, but Woot's Damascus is formed in a crucible and it is the, it's the true Damascus. What you're seeing, you'll see a pattern, but it's, it's the carbides within that steel that's forming that pattern. Yeah. But you're not going to so, run, you're not going to really be able to do much with that when it comes to sculpture, man. Yeah, totally. You can make get a get yourself make form an eye and and then have that as your eye, or or make it a jewel, or make it whatever. Uh, you know, yeah, the pat the pattern isn't that distinct in it as compared to powdered welded steel. Ah, uh, but it's it's not as well. I mean, it really depends. Some of it is. Some of it's really cool. There's lots of swirls and and everything in it. Yeah. Yeah. The thing is that like. When I go down that road with Damascus, I'm pretty sure that every technique is going to kind of open up oh, a new, like, oh, you yeah. could do something crazy with this. Like, the ideas that I have are, like, making my own alien skin and kind of yeah. figuring out how to make that into a billet and then stretch it into, like, a scale that works and how to create yeah. continuity there and all kinds of things. <clears throat> um you know, I hadn't even really thought about it from a texture standpoint, but my friend Josh keeps sending me this heavily, oh, yeah. heavily etched stuff that's that gives mm. it this texture that, like, I'm just, I just look at the stuff and I'm like, this is free work. <laughs> like, <laughs> yeah. I mean, no, Josh put a ton of time into it, but I just mean like to etch something and to get that level of detail. Yeah, your detail level starts at a much more granular place than if you're just putting mild steel together and carving because you're really limited to like an eighth inch burr you know um as far as like the detail you can get but with that it's like it's like layers of it's just it's so thin you know um yeah so i don't know the potential that's there and you know i i think there's something to be said about having no discipline so no like real hang-ups in the forging area um and I I want to be careful not to like learn too much and start falling into like mm-hmm. patterns. Um, <laughs> Next thing you know, you'll be making knives. Well, I know. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I was just talking about it. Right? Like sometimes you're better off yeah. not knowing because you'll go and you'll yeah. do something that somebody said that wasn't possible, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. And I think that's sort of something that a lot of the older blacksmiths or the more experienced blacksmiths that I keep speaking to in the bay area saying i need to learn the fundamentals and they're like yeah i mean we'll teach you whatever you want to know but maybe just learn what you want to know for like the sculpture you're building because the more invested people get into blacksmithing but i think this is a very good thing but uh it can be kind of like creative kryptonite if you start feeling like you have to preserve the integrity of blacksmithing because like right now what i do with a piece that i forge is just like i just grind the shit out of it and weld it together i don't have any desire to like brute to forge a sculpture you know like Um, your your shop should have a sign on it that says there are no rules when it comes to what i make in here type thing right Yeah. yeah for sure for sure i think that goes with the territory but um yeah i i think that 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 is that is something that the most disciplined and experienced and traditional blacksmiths keep telling me over and over again is don't get too blacksmithy. 
like don't let yourself get too don't change too much like you're you're in this unique yeah. position where you don't have that much deference to the traditions and that's working for you you know what i mean so yeah. Yeah. <clears throat> there's something to be said about having enough knowledge that you don't hurt yourself um especially when i'm starting these new with these new tools and there's a lot to know um and uh you know making quick work of you know gaining the discipline to to make quick work of things but um you know i'll never be one of those people that's like oh you you're cheating because you're welding it together with a mig welder you know <laughs> yeah have you, i don't care about those rules <laughs> have you ever heard the name uh moran albakin no he's out of vancouver area um and I think you will find his work absolutely fascinating. And he he is strictly blacksmithing in his in his shop. He's right in he's in a such a cool area. It's in Granville Island. Uh, it's a very touristy area of Vancouver, and his shop is like nestled into a bunch of other like really cool artsy shops. And there's like a, a brewery right next door to him and stuff. Like he's just he's a very very cool dude we interviewed him like episode three i think <laughs> i'll have so. to check that out i'll have to check him out <clears throat> and then i need to make my way up there at some point too i've never been yeah. to canada so um oh you're missing out on the best part of north america i think that there's there's definitely a lot of cool people up there <laughs> and uh and it seems pretty magical so yeah well, considering how close you are to British Columbia, I would highly recommend taking that route. Yeah. Just the, the road that goes all along the coast right up into Vancouver would be a, a, such a beautiful road trip to, you know, to boot uh, on top of being able to go up there and meeting a bunch of like Jake James is on Vancouver Island. Yeah. Vancouver Island yeah. is amazing. So cool, dude. Such a beautiful place. That's a that's a destination. I, I almost went and visited Jake James in July, but uh, shit got crazy when I was decided to go to Italy and was like, oh, man, I can't, oh, yeah. can't spare the time. But um, I'm definitely keen on going up there and visiting Jake and maybe building a sculpture with him, um, just checking the area out. You know, I've been as north as yeah. Seattle, and it's not that that's it's not that far north of there. No, it's, it's like, like an like hour and a half flight. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, maybe hour and a half, maybe. Yeah, yeah. Nothing. And then come to Alberta, and you can take a knife making class. Okay. Fun. Yeah. But I'm not going <laughs> to make a knife in the class. <laughs> uh, we're doing axes. You can do an axe. Okay. Do an axe? Okay. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. We'll, yeah. We'll yeah. That sounds cool. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um. No, they'll probably come a actually, day that I'll make a knife. Or yeah, actually, that's another thing that just happened this week. Our first official axe making class is uh october 17th oh cool so right on buddy. yeah that's awesome yeah. i think that's really cool that's very cool yeah, yeah. what do yeah. you the uh wrapped eye or are you doing it no no i've got a i've got a i've got a drift and a keeper on my press now oh yeah so, cool Beauty, yeah but... made it out of best seven yeah you made it yourself yeah there you go yeah yeah i did uh, you betcha yeah you betcha girlfriend so <laughs> you go girl 
<laughs> yeah. Yeah. You can and be actually, I, I, you know that? I, you know, I, I'm a pretty handsome dude. You know? Yeah. My wife is so freaking lucky. God damn, she's lucky. Just don't take your pants yeah. off, eh? <laughs> oh. <laughs> That's a vicious rumor. That's a vicious rumor, and it's not true. <laughs> <laughs> oh boy! Hey, what do you uh, what have you been listening to in the shop lately, bud? Um, oh, have I been? Li- oh yeah. Oh, sorry. Go ahead. No, no. Yeah, no. Go ahead. Sorry. No. Guess first. Let's hear it. Yep. Um. Yep. So, Blonde Redhead just put out a new album. Um, which I never thought I'd see the day. And it's been pretty good. And I just got turned on. When Douglas was in my shop, he just turned me on to a new metal band called Black Braid. And they're pretty freaking sweet, too. So I've been listening to a lot of metal and uh, and Blonde Redhead. Balance things out a little bit. There you go. Yeah. What's a, what's a song that I can look up from Blonde, Blonde Redhead? Um, like one of their original ones, or one of their ones of uh, which of one? The now. Which which one should I go to look up if I want to be impressed? I'm pretty keen on "Not for Me" from this new album, but um, if you're, I would just look up the album "Melody of Certain Damage Lemons," I believe. Uh, what kind of music yeah. is this? Um, I don't know if you'd call it alternative. It's kind of electronic-y, but not like, I I don't know. I'm not very good at assigning genres to things. I'm, um, I'm intrigued. It's like some of my like artsy weirdo music. I don't good, know. Good, good. No, I, that's <laughs> good. That's the shit I want to hear, man, for sure. Good, good. Yeah. You'll enjoy it. If you've never listened to that album, you're going to... I can't wait to hear how I don't you, think I've ever heard of Blonde Redhead at all before, to be honest. Oh, man. Yeah, thanks, dude. I appreciate you yes. turning me on. This is why yes, we do right. this, to get turned on to, like, wicked awesome bands that we've never heard of before. Yeah, they've been around for a while, too, So, um, but they're really, really good. There's probably a bunch of people listening that are just screaming, like, what? You've never heard of them before? What's wrong with you? <laughs> Sorry, I'm usually that person that's never heard of the band, though. I'm I kind of like my music education sort of stopped when I left art school, which was a long time ago. So now I just get get a little bit here and there. Cool, Nick, man, what you been listening to, dude? Okay, so last Friday we got tickets for the uh, that was a the good movie. Rebels. Yeah. Yeah, we got tickets for the Rebels. They were playing Medicine Hat. So uh, Shelly and I went, and Julia, who works in our shop, and her her fiancé, we brought them. And they were playing Metallica, like during the warm-ups and all that kind of stuff. Oh, yeah. Yeah. For Whom the Bell Tolls? Yep. That's what I've been listening to in the shop. So, yeah, yeah got back to the awesome. shop. Next day... We- Cranking up the old old school Metallica, yeah. So, I've yeah. always been a fan of the uh, the classic bands, classic Metallica. Yeah, yeah. awesome. Good old classic Metallica. Yeah. I've been yeah. stuck on the Sugar Shack once again. It's uh, I don't know, man. They get some really cool bands in there. This band is 
I'm not, I don't think this is actually a band. I think these are kind of, it's like a band and another dude joined up. I'm not too sure about how that all works, but it's K-Bong and Johnny Cosmic. And they have, the thing I've been watching the most is called Visual LP um, at, Sh- at Sugar, Sugar Shack Sessions. But there's a song that they do called, what's it, Easy to Love? Living Easy? No, Easy to Love. And it's like really like just kind of easy listening music. And I don't know, there's, I'm just kind of on a weird vibe lately with that. I'm not into the metal right now. I'm into just kind of like feeling like I want to be on the beach, listen to some reggae kind of thing. But like, it's, it's not, there you go. It's not reggae though. I don't know how to explain what genre that is. Somebody will tell me one of these days what it actually <laughs> falls under for a genre. Yeah. yeah. But it's chill. There it's super go. chill music is what it is, man. And I dig it. So, yeah. Yeah. so yeah, that's, there uh, you go. uh, that's that, man. Yeah. What else is going on, dude? Anything else that uh, we want to bring up before we call our quits here? I've been going for almost two hours now. It's our usual yeah. time limit there. I'm sure you got to get going to bed soon, knowing you, right? Man, yeah, it's what uh, it is almost eight o'clock by 8 30. I'm snoring in my chair usually. So, yeah, there's that. Gnarly. Yeah. He's yeah. an early man. It's a What's business going- man. Yeah, no kidding. How about you, Leah? What's going on in your world? What's coming up? Halloween, baby. October yeah? is my favorite month. I'm, I'm a I would imagine. huge fan of Halloween. As soon as October, uh, as soon as it turned October this weekend, my mood just like immediately skyrocketed. And I was like, it's time. It's time. <laughs> so now I drive my husband crazy for the, the next month. And, um, watching scary movie after scary movie yeah. and just getting into that mode. Uh, we usually have a huge Halloween party where I make hey, a whole house, a haunted house. So that'll be love. my focus and, you know, making some monsters at the, in the meantime, you know, and just really yeah. leaning into it. So full on haunted house. Yeah. No, no uh, nightmare before Christmas decorations, anything like that. <laughs> We try to be, I try to lean towards realism as much as I can. <laughs> um, I really wanted to get a 12 foot skeleton this year because I thought it would be really yeah. amazing to have it in our backyard. Yeah. They're very expensive. Um, they're like yeah. 300. And I, I'm anvil poor right now. So I was like, yeah. okay, <laughs> I guess I'll wait another year for the skeleton oh. to get the anvil instead. I never, did um, you see how big that anvil was? How heavy is it? It's like 200 pounds. Oh, yeah. right. Yeah, yeah. 100, yeah. 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 106 has, kg. Yeah. I couldn't lift it. Like, yeah. it, I, that's obvious. But what I mean is, like, me and my husband tried to get it out of the, the back of the car, and I couldn't be the second person. That's how heavy it is. <laughs> I'm physically not strong enough to be the other person lifting the answer. Yeah. So yeah. <clears throat> it's pretty pretty big for me. Yeah. Oh, that's a good, that's a really good size animal. Yeah, yeah, I think it'll. There you go. So big costume party, Halloween. What kind of uh, do you guys do like games or anything like that? Like, I love the Halloween party too, but I'm always like, what do you what do you do at the Halloween party, right? Other than just well, 
We have a, a pretty cool house. Like my house is kind of like a tree house. It's sort of um, built into a cliffside. So we've got all these different pads you can hang oh. out on. Um, yeah. We usually make like some horseradish infused vodka and make Bloody Marys. Uh, lots oh. of cocktails. What, what the white horseradish? What the fudge, bud? <laughs> That'd be really good. Yeah. The, 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 that spice of the that bite of the of the horseradish would That's be what pickles are for. Jeez, yeah, no, coffee dude. hoser. Jeez. Okay, <laughs> so the, the only thing that she got wrong there is they're not Bloody Marys, they're Caesars. Gotta get make a Caesar, not a Bloody Mary. What's a Caesar? No, it's a Bloody Mary. Ah, uh, so Bloody I, Mary. I probably just, had it, but so Bloody Mary is they they just use tomato juice instead of clamato. What the fudge, bud? Yeah, come on. That's pretty common. That's pretty common in California, actually. The clamato is pretty common. Yeah, yeah. So do it. Just make make a Bloody Mary, but with clamato instead of tomato juice. Okay. And then, yeah, a little bit of horseradish, uh, salt and pepper, a little Tabasco. Yeah, there you go. Vodka or gin. I always wondered why it doesn't actually taste like clams. I don't know. Yeah. There you go. I don't know. Questions we'll never know. That's going to go in the I bottom of not, it. I don't know if there's real clam juice in Clamato. Isn't it what it says on the ingredients is clam juice? I'm pretty sure it's Does what it I really? Think there has to be. I'm pretty sure it's what it says on the ingredients. I think it's pretty subtle. I think uh, maybe at one time it might have been clams, but now it's like, I don't know, some chemical. I'm going to put yeah, this like down in the Book of Deepish. Yeah. What's that? Yeah? The Book okay, of Deepish. Well, Deepish, yeah. yeah. <laughs> uh, it's a book yeah. that I'm writing, by the way. I've been writing it for a very long time. Oh, it's, yeah. Odd, odd, Pure gold. Odd Pure bits gold. Bits and bobs about deep shit. Nice. <laughs> Why does Clamato not taste like clams? <laughs> <laughs> I think you know what I think it is. It's the 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 tomato <laughs> ratio is way higher than the cl- yeah. than the yeah. than the clam juice ratio. Tomatoes are pretty overpowering, and yeah. as far as I know, clam juice is only like the seawater that's in them when they are caught. So I don't know. That, yeah, I don't know that it's that. You know, being a yeah. being a daughter of a commercial fisherman out on the east coast, I know a thing or two about clams and. They're not that like. So why did you guys that... pack up and move to California? Well, I transferred out here for school, and then met my husband here, and I just love California. But oh, I don't. Their parents are be... still in New York. Yeah, they're still oh, in New yeah. York. Um, and my sister lives in Santa Cruz, so we both live on the West Coast, and um, yeah, Man, I mean, it's far away from home. Hate... But... I don't. Yeah, but uh, I don't like the cold at all. Yeah. Well, you're in the right spot then. That's yeah. 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 I know. I was, yeah, we, we got a heat wave this week. What's a heat wave? Yeah. <clears throat> well, the weather is usually absolutely perfect here, but I think it's going to be like 90 degrees tomorrow. We're having one of those weird, like, fall, uh, like late heat waves, max, yeah. like mixed with like crazy winds, which is kind of scary because that's uh, when like fires start to happen. So. Yeah. Yeah, um, just got to be extra careful. But 
Yeah, it's not, gonna be hot a, here the next couple of days. Not a beach day if you got wind like that. Never in San Francisco. The beaches here are like cold and windy all the time. Really? Eh? Huh. And the ocean is like, I mean, the, having grown up on the East Coast where the Atlantic is quite warm in the winter and fall, or the summer and fall, uh, the water here is freezing in Crazy. Northern California. Weird. Yeah. Like, huh. oh, yeah. You can get in, but like, it's not. I mean, you there'll have be to lots wear of shrinkage. Suit. Yeah, lots yeah, of shrinkage. yeah, yeah. It's, it's very yeah. cold. You can't, not good. you can't shrink what's already yeah. been shrunk to the max, man. Oh, <laughs> ouch. Yeah. Well, on that note. <laughs> <laughs> I think that's a solid note to end it on. <laughs> yeah, that is a very solid note. Right, yeah. Let's <clears throat> Bob, and, Bob and Doug McKenzie out of this. You ready? Yeah. Let's show her how it's done. All right. Coo, okay. coo, 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 coo. Good day. There's no. Do I have to do it too? Should I do it? Yeah, sure. Go for it. Do it. Do it. Do it. Is that what you guys? Not bad. You're in. Honorary. Honorary. My first time. Yeah. Honorary hoser. Yeah, you got it. I'll yeah. take it. I'll awesome. take it. Yeah. Yeah. Come on up anytime. I'd love to. I'd love to. Yep. And if you guys are ever in the Bay Area, you got to hit me up. Come Dude, there's awesome. I don't know. If, yeah. I'd have to like literally take a year off to go and hang out with all the people that are in the Bay oh. Area, man. You have yeah, you yeah, ever yeah. hang out with Mark Asprey yet? I have. Yes. Yeah. He's a little bit east of me, but we we see each other at CBA events and um yeah. You said you, you got to meet, have you worked with Tony Swadden too? No, we've never like worked in an official capacity together. Um, I just was down in LA and we were both going to Monster Palooza. So I went <sighs> to his shop a day early and hung out and saw all the cool shit he has there. You know, yeah. he's like, I you got to get one of these pole see. maxes. And yeah. I was like, <laughs> maybe one day. Maybe. I could see you really <laughs> picking up a lot of stuff from him and him maybe even picking yeah. stuff up from you too, dude. Yeah, there's a lot of um there's a lot of crossover that when I was hanging out with Doug Pryor, Doug has worked with Tony um for extended periods of time and I think that we're starting to form a coalition of sheet workers, you know. Oh um, shit, watch out. So, nice. I mean yeah. unofficial, but you know, Yeah, but the like, three of you all, we all have together. a lot of Maybe there'll come a project that we can do that. That would be fun. That'd be so rad. I bet you guys would just ballpark that shit, man. Fuck. That would be exciting to see what you guys could come up with, man. Yeah. Something crazy, I'm sure. If we were in Tony's shop, we'd be tooled up. Yeah. You know? Sure. Cool, bud. Well, uh, I've been an absolute slice having you on here. It's been awesome. Super stoked that I had the opportunity to chat with you, bud. Uh, Likewise, thank you guys so much for having me. This has been a blast. Oh, yeah, it's been really fun. Awesome, yeah. And if we're in the Bay Area, I'm totally hitting up, hitting you up. Awesome, good, good. I'll be personally offended if you don't. (laughs) (laughs) All right, keep that in mind. (laughs) 
Awesome. Uh, I'll, yeah. All right. Well, I, I don't know. Catch you later. Bye. 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 All right. So what's up? Why can't you got a joke? Oh, well, I got a joke. I got a joke. Okay. Hey, you ready? I mean, what? Wait, okay. wait, wait, wait. Okay, now I'm ready. Okay. Why can't Barbie get pregnant? And oh. comes another box. Because Ken came in a different box. Yeah. <laughs> Everybody knows that. Jeez. Gosh darn. <sighs> hey, I'm uh I'm actually so you know how I told you I'm writing the book of Deep Ish, right? Yeah. yeah. I'm actually I'm actually writing another book on reverse psychology. Don't buy it. Yeah. <laughs> 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 all right i'm out of here i'm looking forward to that one coming out <laughs> oh, are we good now <laughs> <laughs> we're good. We're good. fuck off <laughs> 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 <laughs>